appreciate every testimony given this morning, every person that was in the altar for whatever reason that might be. I appreciate the Lord just doing what He can only do. And um, someone texted after church, it was not here, they had watched or listened over uh, the different devices that we have to listen over and uh, they said they appreciated the service and uh, me letting the Holy Spirit lead. And here's my response to that. I don't know anything else to do when he starts working but get out of his way. That's all I know to do. Uh, it's not that there's never a time when any preacher has ever come to church and thought, man, I hope I don't get to preach today. He's always ready and willing to preach. If he's God's man, if he's been called, he's always ready to preach. But if he's God's man, he'll also be willing to get out of the way when God starts moving. And I certainly appreciate the service this morning, what the Lord did uh, in the hearts and lives of everyone here. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to look with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number 1. I feel like it's been fairly recent since I preached from this text, but it is what's in my heart, and uh, it is what, uh, what we're going to try to preach tonight, if the Lord will help us to do so. I fully understand that uh, man cannot preach without the help or the aid of the Holy Spirit of God. He can say some things, uh, but will not say anything tonight. That'll help you spiritually lest the Spirit of God moves and touches in the service. So that is my desire as we've come here tonight. And I, I know, say this often, I know I repeat myself a lot. And um, my wife will nudge me every now and then and say, you've already told that. You know, I'll be telling a story to somebody. She'll say, you've already told them that. And I do repeat myself a lot, but the things I say... The things I say when I'm in God's house are the things I mean when I'm in His house. I need His help. I need His strength. I'm fully aware of that. I'm fully aware of my inabilities and uh, my weaknesses and my problems. I'm aware of all of those. I said a while back, I don't need someone to remind me of all my failures. I was there when they happened. I was there when they happened. And... Uh, and so I need his help tonight. Galatians chapter number one, the Bible said, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. I'll stop right there for just a moment. Say, I heard a man much smarter than I am. I was sharing this with Brother Francis this morning as we were sitting on the pew, maybe with Brother Johnny. I believe we was talking before Sunday school as well. I heard a man that's much smarter than I am, theologically speaking. He is a well-studied man in the Scriptures, and here's what he said. 
He said, the coming of Jesus is closer than you think. It's closer than you think. Brother Matt mentioned it briefly. Peter said, uh, they mentioned, uh, when are these things going to happen? We've heard it all our lives and things continue like they've always been. So when is it going to happen? It's closer than we think. It really is. Then Paul went on to say, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this privilege to stand here tonight. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what it means to me. I thank you, Lord, for what it means to your people. Father, tonight we pray, God, that we'd be strengthened for just a little while, Lord, to be able to preach those things, Lord, that you've laid in my heart. I love you tonight. God, there's never any way in my thoughts, my heart, God, that I would ever ever preach anything wrong intentionally it is my desire to preach the truth of your word rightly divided to your people god it's not my desire tonight to please any man friend or enemy it's not my desire to compromise your word for anyone so lord help me tonight to preach the truth this blessed book, God, that you've given us to live by, quicken my mind, strengthen my body, refresh my spirit, God, long enough to do those things, God, that you've asked us to do. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If I had a thought tonight, and I hope this isn't a terrible thought or a wrong thought, but I would preach tonight on what I would call the Gospel of Paul. Now, in our Bible, we have the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it does not identify a book that is known as the gospel of Paul. But Paul makes it clear in his writings uh, what the gospel is, and he uh, makes it clear in his writings what the gospel is that he has preached in his ministry, and he's made it clear in our text that that is the gospel that ought to be being preached even today and in the hour that we live. It is the gospel that saved us, and it is the gospel that has brought us together this night. As a matter of fact, to go even further, it is the gospel that caused us to even know one another. Were it not for the gospel, the chances of us meeting would have been very slim. 
I would have been doing different things and you would have been doing different things and some of you would probably still be on a bar stool. I might still be in a pool hall somewhere. I uh, would probably be at a ball game today or doing something that I loved to do before God saved me. So it is the very gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that has brought us together as a church, as a congregation. It's brought us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And even to go one step further than that, it has brought us together and made friends out of people that otherwise would have never gotten along were it not for the gospel. The reality is we have different interests. We have different hobbies. We have different mindsets about many things. But when it comes to the gospel, we are together in one church, united as one body, uh, here for the cause of Christ. That ought to be our goal. That ought to be our purpose, is that Christ would be exalted and that His gospel would go forth into all the world. Without the gospel, uh, we would all still be living in sin, just as we always did. But God, God saw fit. This is not a, not a but God of Scripture, but rather it is a but God. We would be in sin, but God in His loving kindness and in His mercy and in His long-suffering saw fit to send somebody by our way to bring us a gospel message that we might be born again. And I, for one, am thankful tonight for the gospel. It is the Holy Spirit that opened our eyes out of the condition of our soul and gloriously saved us from a devil's hell and saved us into the family and into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said of this gospel, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, for it is the power of God unto salvation. He said it was the gospel that would bring the power of God that would bring a man unto salvation. Without the gospel, a man cannot be born again. Without the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'd be utterly lost and utterly doomed to eternity in hell. But Paul uh, said that... Uh, uh, he said, therein is the righteousness of God. In that gospel, he said, is where we'll find the righteousness of God. Uh, the right way to live is found in the gospel. That's what he's given to you and I. And I don't care if I say gospel 10,000 times tonight. It is the gospel that will bring a man uh, to a righteous life to a right way of living. It'll be the gospel that'll take the ugly out of a person and put good inside of them. It is the gospel that's needed in our day. I heard another preacher that I consider a great theologian say uh, that someone told him uh, that they, he should quit preaching so much on the gospel that he should preach on service in the church or he should preach on something more relevant for our day. Uh, this preacher said, uh, 
My God, what Bible are you reading? We need the gospel in our day. Amen. You get the gospel right and you'll serve right. Amen. So what is this gospel that Paul preached? We all know what the word in itself is defined as in our day. It is defined as good news. And it is that. The gospel is good news. And here in just a little bit, I want to get to Paul's gospel and what Paul said he had been preaching. It is good news in a world that is filled with bad news. And listen, I was thinking while the choir was singing not everything that's called good news is truth. Amen. Our president has graciously informed us that uh, there are people reporting fake news. Amen. In essence, that is what Paul is going to deal with in these opening verses uh, to the church at Galatia. He has not commended them for anything the only book that Paul uh, ever wrote where he gave no uh, commendation to them for good things. Uh, but after his introduction, he says, I marvel how soon you are removed unto another gospel. Paul immediately attacks the problem in the Galatian church. Friend, I would present to you tonight that the same problem in the Galatian church is the same problem that we are dealing with today. And it is another gospel. It does not sound like another gospel. And it does not sound wrong. This gospel message that is being heralded from pulpit after pulpit that is damaging the church as a whole it sounds like good news. But good news is not always true news. It is a gospel that has taken a life of its own. It is a gospel that says just as you are. It is certainly okay to come as you are. But friends, you will not leave the same if you come to the gospel of Christ. You'll be a new creature in Him. The word gospel, it is good news, but the problem in our text is what Paul said was another gospel. I have mentioned many times there are two different Greek words for the word another. And uh, the word another that they used to say that the Spirit of God was coming as another comforter, it means one of the same kind. And Paul said, uh, I marvel that you removed to another gospel. He's not talking about one of the same kind. He's speaking of a gospel of a different kind. He said it's not the same and it's a problem. It is a problem. Now listen, I'm not going tonight to get on the church down the road and try to identify every church building in America that's preaching falsehood. But I will tell you that there are more than you think. There are more than you think. And it's not just the churches that are all the time 
preaching love, love, love. There are some that will tell you about a judging God that are still saying, you better straighten up or God's gonna judge you, God's gonna get you. You better dress right or God's gonna get you. You better talk right or God's gonna get you. Friend, Jesus plus anything is another gospel. And it is a false gospel. It is in Christ alone. The problem here that Paul is dealing with is a Galatian church who one Bible instructor of mine said were fickle pickles. They were tossed about with every wind of doctrine that came by. They were apt to change their mind at almost anybody that came through town that said something that they liked. Welcome to America. Amen. How you can be a Baptist one minute and a Buddhist the next. You can be a church of God one minute and the next second. How you've converted to Mormonism. It is America where we have been granted the freedom of religion and folks People are jumping on board a false gospel after false gospel after false gospel by the millions. Why? Because they've never experienced the true gospel. I'm convinced, and I make no apologies whatsoever for what I am about to say. I am convinced, I am convinced that a large portion of the American church does not know the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm convinced of that. I've been around them. I've heard enough of them bow a knee and I've said to many of them, do you know you're saved? And the first answer is this, yes, I was baptized when I was five. Or the, the, another popular answer is, I've been saved many times. Friend, listen, those answers uh, is an acknowledgement that we live in a world that does not understand the gospel of our Savior. It's a problem. They're fickle. They're changed by every wind of doctrine. Paul is writing to a church that is dealing with Jewish legalism. They're dealing with mysticism. They're dealing with many issues that have corrupted and moved them from the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews talks about falling from grace. He's not talking about losing your salvation what he has said is these people that were used to a ritualistic lifestyle have fallen away from grace as being the means of their salvation and they've gone back to be dependent once more on some ritual or routine. They've got to have Jesus plus a sacrifice, Jesus plus incense, Jesus plus this. And friend, I'm telling you, that's heresy. It is a false gospel. But that's where we live. 
You know how many independent Baptist churches you can walk into tonight that will not even share the gospel, but rather they'll preach all night long about your haircut. They'll preach all night long about whether you should have a tie on or not have a tie on because we have misinformed the people of God about the gospel. About the gospel. It's a problem. It's a problem in America where we came, where people came. They left England and departed uh, the Roman Catholic Church and departed from the Church of England uh, to come to America where they would seek out freedom uh, to worship the God of heaven, uh, where they'd seek out freedom uh, to be able to read the Word of God on their own and to understand it on their own uh, without a pope or some uh, big person telling them what they had to believe. Uh, They sought for that and now in America, we are the most diverse religious country probably on the planet Earth. And the reality is, for a country that sought freedom, we're dumb to the gospel. Did you know that the divorce rate in American churches has come as high as it has outside the church? Did you know that the percentage of people who look at pornography is as high or higher in the church as it is outside the church? Why do these things happen? It is a perverted view of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a perverted view. It's a problem. It is an Americanized, an Americanized gospel. Thought of this, and it's the homeliest illustration I have. The most ridiculous illustration I have. The church is not Burger King. You cannot have it your way. You understand that? We can't order what we want from the Word of God concerning our lives. We cannot mold what God has said in to fit what we like to do, we cannot say, God, I want a gospel that allows me to be absent from church two months out of the year or six months out of the year. Lord, I want a gospel that will allow me to still be able to say some cuss words every now and then. Lord, I want a gospel that'll still let me pitch a drunk once a month. Lord, I want a gospel that'll allow me to stay addicted to the things that I have. Lord, I want a gospel that fits me. That is our culture. We try to talk to everybody we know about church, everybody we see. Ate at a new restaurant in Landis today. Asked the waitress where she lives. She said, oh, less than two minutes from here. I said, Landis Baptist Church is less than two minutes from here. My wife said, you ought to come. You ought to come to church. We'd love to have you. Listen, there's an answer for everything. I remember asking a fellow, we was at Dollywood one time a couple of years ago, and and, a fellow in front of me told me he was from the area. And I told, asked him where he went to church. And he said, he said, we go to such and such a church. And he said, we go over there because they've got a little bit more updated music and we like a little bit more of a, 
uh, uh, upswing in music. It's almost, he said, this is his words, he said it's almost like going up to a concert. And I'd say to you, there are churches like that uh, that have molded themselves uh, around their music program. Uh, they have molded themselves around uh, their children's programs. Uh, they have molded themselves uh, around everything than what they should have molded themselves around. Uh, and that is the blessed word of God uh, and the truth of his words. Uh, if we'll get hold to the gospel once more, we might see him show up. Amen. You find a church that's having debates and issues over contemporary or traditional worship. They're having issues over their music, not over their Bible. Amen. That's what the issue is. It's mu We want a gospel that molds to fit us. Amen. Y'all all right, aren't you? Amen. I'm telling you, this is eating at my heart these days. I'm talking about a gospel that's not a gospel at all. Paul said it's not good news at all. It's not another gospel. It's not the same. It's a problem. Paul referred to the problem as a perversion of the gospel. They have made it Christ plus or Christ minus. Paul has always said in Christ alone. Listen, I understand and I believe, I believe repentance unto salvation. I believe that. That's the word of God. I believe that with every fiber of my being. But if you got to the place of repentance, it wasn't you that got you there. You understand that? If you bring to a place where you say, God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I'm rotten, I'm wicked, I'm low down. I don't like the person that I am. Would you save me? If you get to that place of repentance, you got there because somebody opened the Word of God and preached to you the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and it convicted your heart. The Spirit drew you. God gave you faith to believe. We don't have any of those things without him. Preacher, prove that to me. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead men do nothing. I've had people argue with me over the word dead. They say, well, that doesn't mean they were literally dead. Uh, that means that they were asleep or they were this or they were that. I've looked it up in every Greek, Hebrew. I've looked it up in every thing that the Bible would have been written in. And the word means without life. Dead. We were dead, spiritually speaking. In order to be saved, you must be quickened. You've got to be given even the life it takes how to repent. You've got to be given the faith it takes to repent. It is not about what we can do. It is about what he has done. Without Christ, my friend, you'd still be on your way to hell. It is a perversion of the gospel. Listen, Paul said in the text, he said, he said, I marvel. He, he didn't marvel that they had removed themselves from the gospel. I think he had a pretty good feel for who these people were. He marveled at how quickly they were removed from the gospel. 
He, rem- he marveled. He was in awe at how soon they had left. By grace are you saved through faith back into a works, ritualistic, man-made way of salvation. Excuse me, sir, are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. I've been good about my whole life. I believe when I get to the end of it, all the good will outweigh the bad. Any of y'all remember the gong show? Y'all remember that? Yep. I'd gong him right there and hook him and drag him off the stage. Because he's wrong. In the end, the bad will outweigh the good. Even for a saved individual, the bad will outweigh the good. You'll stand before God weighed and wanting. You'll stand before God deserving of hell. But thanks be unto God, you'll have an intercessor. You will have a mediator. You will have a lawyer, an advocate, a daysman. Call it what you will. The only way you'll get in is when Christ speaks up and says, Father, He's mine. Otherwise, you stand helpless. You stand helpless without him. But our culture, our culture has has made it okay to develop these ideas that you can be good or you can do this and do that. I, I think it started with the Saddleback Church and Rick Warren and the purpose-driven crowd, all of that. I remember watching an interview with Rick Warren. The news reporter walked up to him, had on a suit and tie, a shirt, looked nice, and Rick Warren's first words to him were this. He said, well, I can tell you're either a visitor or uh, you're the news reporter. News reporter said, why would you say that? He said, because nobody around here dresses like that. The preacher had on shorts and he had on a Hawaiian-looking shirt, and he had on his sandals, and that's how he greeted the people that come in. And listen, listen, I'm not going to get real crazy about that, but the reality is the Bible said, come ye out from among them. He said, separate yourself. saith the Lord, we ought to look different. We ought to act different. When we leave church on Sunday, the people ought to at least know we've been to church. Amen. They ought not leave. Look at us thinking we've been down to the bowling alley or down to the bar or over at the beach or up in the mountains. They ought to look at us and be able to tell we've been to the house of God. They ought to be able to hear our vocabulary coming from our mouth and say, that man's a child of God. They ought to be able to see something different in who we are. But the world has adopted a culture that says, no, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Listen, I want to be careful right here because it'll sound like I'm preaching out both sides of my mouth, you know. And the reality is, that's not the most critical thing in salvation Christ is. Well, when Christ saves a man, he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He said, behold, all things are passed away and all things become new. Listen, do you know what terminology we use when somebody dies? What do we say? We don't want to be rude and say they're dead. We don't say, hey, Brother Chip Miller's dead. That just sounds rude and, and short. We say, did you hear? Brother Chip passed away today. Passed away. You get that term or not? Passed away. All things are passed away. They're supposed to die to us when we hear the gospel and get born again. 
But our culture, not today, not today. Those things don't have to die. You just got to repent and believe. Just got to believe. Raise your hand, repeat after me, sign a card. Everything will be all right. It don't matter if you ever come back. It don't matter if you ever grow in the Lord. That is the mentality that we're dealing with in our culture. And it is false. It is a false gospel. It is a perversion. It is different. It is twisted. By grace through faith. Anybody notice they sung a lot about grace tonight? Boy, I did. Grace. Unmerited favor. Something given to you that you do not deserve. Something given to you that you did not ask for. He said every good and every perfect gift cometh from above. Anything that is in your life that is good has come from above. It has come from God. That is the gospel. It is not in you to do good without Him. There's a penalty for perverting the gospel. I'm not going to stay here but just a minute. The penalty, He said, if any man, an angel... From heaven, preach any other gospel to you, let him be accursed. He said, if he preaches anything other than the gospel that I've preached unto you, Paul speaking of himself, he said, let that man be accursed. There's a penalty for perverting this gospel message that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Oh God, Jesus saves. That is a tiny, or that is a, uh, that's just a, a little, little something that God has said, and listen, without hope, that means that they are, uh, if they're not, I'm trying to get my words right here, if they are not devoted to God in the gospel, he said, let them be accursed, or in other words, he said, cast them aside without any hope of being redeemed if they pervert the gospel. He said, if they preach anything to you other than the gospel I'm preaching, he said, let them be accursed, cast aside without any hope of being redeemed. You reckon God would be so mean as to cast people aside that would pervert his word? Listen, we talk often about whether or not Somebody died and went to hell because we didn't witness to them before they died. And we think that God would let someone pervert his word and not deal with them. If somebody would die and go to hell, Brother Matt, because I didn't witness to them, then you better believe God is going to God is going to deal with a crowd of people that have perverted his word and twisted what the gospel message is. And I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about people that carry a different version of the Bible than you do. I'm talking about people who have twisted the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to say that you can get saved by any other means than the shed blood of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. I believe there's some people carrying different versions of the Bible that are as saved as you and I are. I didn't say I was ever going to carry another one. I just said I believe there's some. And if you want to know the truth about it, there's some of them carrying different versions of the Bible that are working a whole lot harder than independent fundamental Bible believing Christians that say they're carrying the old 1611 around with them. 
Amen, that's right. There's people carrying the 16, or say they're carrying the 1611 King James Bible that are telling a perverted gospel. And there are people carrying the NIV that have got a perverted gospel. All right, I'm enjoying preaching. I don't believe I've told you anything wrong yet. Listen, it is a penalty. There's a penalty for perverting that. They have no hope of being redeemed if they've preached a perverted gospel. Jude said, Jude said of the gospel, he said, we ought to earnestly contend for the faith. He said, we ought to fight for it. We ought to not let people, we ought to not let people run down the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, that's right. We just ought not let them do it. But we hear it all the time. Hear it all the time. Listen, it is a, Jude was dealing with people when he talked about earnestly contending the faith. He was dealing with people about false teachers and prophets that were raging in that day. And friend, it's raging in our day. False prophets and teachers. You can go to either end of the spectrum you want to go and somebody's teaching it falsely. Somebody's telling it falsely. There's an emphasis placed on Paul or placed by Paul here on preaching and what's being said and where the gospel is being perverted. He keeps talking about an angel preaching or any other man preaching. He keeps saying, let him be accursed. And, and by the way, he said, now I'm going to say it again. If me or any other person preaches another gospel to you, let him be accursed. Let him be cast out and left with no hope. Some people may be preaching a perverted gospel because a perverted gospel is what they've been taught. But Paul is dealing with preaching. He's put an emphasis on it. So let me just say that what we say matters. What we say about the gospel matters. What we believe about how someone gets born again matters. It matters. Anything, anything in a salvation testimony that places an emphasis on me is the wrong way to say it. I didn't say that you would not be saved if you said it wrong, but anything that places an emphasis on what we did it's not right because it's not about what we did. I can remember before I got saved. I can remember all the people that knew me being fooled and thinking I was saved. I can remember hearing people say, oh, honey, cut's a good boy. That's a lie. If it's said about anybody, it's a lie. I think I told somebody today, they said something about, said something about my son. I said, yeah, he's a good boy. I lied and I didn't even mean to. There's none good, no, not one. That is the truth. Ride down the road, you'll see him on the back of every car in Rowan County. My child is a terrific kid. Lies just spewing 
from our mouths. There's none good. Should we praise them when they do things right? Certainly I'm not against that. Should we correct them when they do things wrong? Absolutely. The Bible says if you don't, you don't love your son. The reality is there's things we should do. But spiritually we need to understand there's not an ounce of good in any of us. If we had the choice, listen, we'd always choose the bad were it not for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost of God ringing you out. You'd go right back to where you were 20 years ago. But Christ in you brought you here tonight. Christ in you will get you up to read your Bible and pray before you start your day. Christ in you will keep you throughout the day. When anger swells up, it'll stop the cussing. Christ in you will cause you to turn right instead of turning in out of the beer joint on the way home from work. Christ in you will cause you to go to revival instead of going to do something else. It's Christ in you that brings any good out of you. Anything else is a lie. It's a lie. And it's a lie of the devil. The Bible said he's a liar and the father of it. Anybody notice lately in America, have y'all noticed that nobody is throwing rocks through the windows of the church? Have y'all noticed that no preachers are getting drugged through the road by the bumper of a car for preaching the gospel? Y'all notice that? Do you know why? The devil don't have to use the world to fight us anymore. He has perverted the gospel enough to drag us to hell off a church pew. He has perverted the gospel enough out of where even the preachers that are in pulpits are believing the stuff that they're spewing out and without comparing it to the word of God. They're not looking to see what God's word says and we're spewing out things that aren't right. Devil don't have to have a mob come in here and threaten to burn the building down. Hey Amen. The gospel's just been perverted just enough to make the world think they're all right. They're all right. Perverted just enough to think once a week is enough. It's almost Thanksgiving and Christmas time. It ain't real bad around here, but Y'all know it as well as I do. Them CEO Christians will be around. Up in the mountains, they call that the Christmas and Easter only crowd. The CEOs. You know. And uh, somebody has convinced them. I've heard it said, I've heard it said, Preacher, I don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't. But if you're saved, you'll want to go to church. I believe that. I believe that. I want to glean. I got to be in a meeting this week, this past Monday and Tuesday, down around Charles Mustion, Steve Dagenhart, Stacy Lane, friends that are heroes of mine. Got to hear some good preaching. I heard some that wasn't so good, but I heard a lot that was real good too. Amen. But the reality is, here's what I set out to say. 
We ought to want to glean from every, every person we get around when it comes out of the things of God. We ought to hear what they think about a certain subject. Tell me your thoughts on this and tell me your thoughts on that. And we ought to mull those things over in our mind. Compare it to the Word of God. Find out what's true. Take a stand on truth and don't back up. And don't bring any nonsense to me that ain't truth that you can't prove with the Bible in context. Amen. There's a lot of people trying to prove a lot of things today with Scripture that ain't in context. Don't try to prove to me women can preach because the Bible said God's eyes are neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. Because that verse ain't about preaching. That verse is about salvation. Amen. Ain't about, ain't about preaching. Matter of fact, you want to read... I can prove with the text tonight that God called men to preach. He said, if any man, an angel, or anybody else preach any other thing than what I've preached, he said, let what? Him be accursed. That's enough right there to say what the truth about preaching ought to be. Joyce Meyer ain't doing it, amen. Amen. I, <laughs> I don't have... I don't have a lot of social media left anymore. I about got rid of all of it. But listen, I, I'd unfriend somebody over cussing. I'd about unfriend them just as quick for putting something up Joyce Meyer said. Amen. Amen. That's right. Oh, well, I didn't mean that. Yeah, I did. There's an emphasis on preaching. But listen, there's something said about where we are, who we are pleasing in the Bible, who we're pleasing. He said, Did we, are we doing what we're doing to please men? Are we doing what we're doing to please God? What are we doing? Listen, I'm going to give you this, and I'm about to close. Man, I'm, I've preached longer, and it feels like I've preached tonight. I can tell you that. I feel like I've just been preaching about 10 minutes, but that clock says about 40 right now. So I'm going to try to hurry and get done. Something said about who we're pleasing with what we believe. You ever been around a crowd of people that, you knew didn't believe like you did. You knew they didn't believe exactly like what the Bible says. And uh, you really don't want to say anything around them because you don't want to stir anything up. You don't want to hurt a friendship. You don't, want to, you don't want to damage anything. Guess what? At that moment, we have decided we'll please men rather than God. Got a cousin that calls herself a pastor. Her and her husband are, listen, we grew up together. She's like my sister. I love her with every fiber of my being. I mean, I do. And I don't want to hear nobody say anything bad about her. But I can't agree with what she's doing and what she can't do it. I remember when, my, when her mama died, we all went out to eat together after the funeral. There's a big table full of us, probably 20 or 30 of us sitting around the table. And, and uh, her daughter and, and uh, my other cousin's wife and she had all gone down to the tattoo parlor and had some scripture tattooed in memory of my Aunt Carolyn. And they got scripture tattooed on them, and I never said a word. I just sat there. And uh, abruptly, her brother said to me, don't let Richie see it. He'll preach to you about how wrong it is to have scripture tattooed on your body. They all chuckled and laughed. I just sat there. Just a minute, I got up. My cousin was all the way at the other end of the table of 20 or 30 of us. I walked down to the other end of the table. I leaned down in his ear, 
And I said, hey, I said, I just want to remind you that that Thursday night that I got born again up on Town Mountain, it happened because you're the one that invited me to go there. I said, so the way I am is your fault. If you don't like it, then you shouldn't have never asked me to get saved. And I turned around and went back to my table and I sat down and he said, I hear you. And he never said another bad word to me since. The reality is we can compromise and please men. Now, listen, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about compromise the way, the way we think of compromise. We can do a lot of things these days and somebody will say we've compromised, you know. You can sing a good song that was written yesterday and somebody will say you compromised because you didn't sing it out of the red back hymnal. God help us. That's, that's craziness. If it's a song that identifies with the Word of God and you don't want to dance to it when it comes on, you'll be all right. Amen. If it honors the Lord, it ought to, we ought to be all right with it honoring the Lord. And a hush falls across the crowd. I'm not, don't worry, we ain't having none of that contemporary stuff in here. I ain't about that. I ain't about that. Matt ain't about that. This church ain't about that. I understand all of that. But what I'm talking about is compromising his word. Did you know if the children of Israel come in here and begin to sing the Psalms to us, we'd probably run them out and say, we ain't having that contemporary mess in here? Because it wouldn't sound like good old southern gospel music. It wouldn't. I messaged, messaged a friend of mine yesterday. I said, when did it become okay in the southern, in the southern gospel agenda to make, oh, a word? That's a word in Southern Gospel songs. Oh. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling, I guess. But listen, you know why? You know why people pervert the gospel? It offends us. It offends our pride for someone to tell us that we need a Savior and we cannot save ourselves. The gospel offends. It divides. It offends us. It offends our wisdom. It takes what we may call foolish. God said it took the foolishness of preaching to save them which would believe. It takes what is foolish for a God becoming a man and dying for our sins to bring us salvation. That's foolishness to the world. And it offends our wisdom. It offends our knowledge. It offends our knowledge and tells us to believe something that goes beyond scientific knowledge and personal experience. It goes beyond anything for us to hear that a dead man rose from the dead and will never die again. That, that offends our, what we know scientifically. The gospel offends and divides. It offends and divides. But listen, it'll save those that'll come to it. I'm going to read you Paul's gospel real quickly and we're going to be done. Paul said... He said, you preach to them people what I've preached to you. What did he preach? Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15 says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day 
according to the Scriptures. And he goes on to say that he was seen of Cephas and then of 12 and then as many as 500 brethren at one time. Paul said, here's what I preach to you. He died on a cross for our sins. Uh, He was buried and on the third day he got up and he lives forevermore. And that's what it takes to be born again. To wrap your mind around the gospel. He never said anywhere in there He never said, now church at Corinth, the gospel is that Christ died for our sins and you've got to run around the building three times and believe in him in order to get saved. No, he said, you've got to believe that he died for your sins. You've got to believe that he was buried. You've got to believe that he rose from the grave and that he did it, not you. He did it, not you. It is a substitutionary sacrifice. It is one that you and I could not, and chances are would not, have ever followed through with. It is the true gospel. And I want to close tonight by saying, I love the gospel. I love the gospel. You could preach it to me every morning, and I'd be all right with it. I'd be okay with it. You ever heard somebody say this? They'll tell you something. They'll say, Brother Al, I'm about to tell you the gospel truth right here. I mean, I'm going to give you the gospel. And then they, what they want you to do is they want you to know they ain't messing around. They ain't telling no stories. They ain't joking. They ain't kidding about what they're saying. They say, what I'm telling you is the gospel. It's the truth. That's what they're saying. As Christians, it's what we're telling the gospel. I mean, it's what we're telling the gospel. It's what we believed to become a Christian. Is it the gospel? Is it truth? Is it truth? Ah, listen, I, I don't usually like language like this, but you don't have to look far to know the world we live in has changed. It's changed. It's a different world. It's a different world than when I came into it in 1971. It's a different world that I grew up in in school back in the 80s. It's a different world. I remember... I remember when President Clinton, the first one, Bill, I remember, <laughs> I remember when he come up with don't ask, don't tell about the homosexuals and all that stuff in the military and made that all right. It's like the floodgates burst open. They came from everywhere, and it created a different world. You know what the President Vladimir Putin said of Russia about minorities? He said, we don't need them They need us. And he said, if they want to live in Russia, they can abide by our laws or they can go live somewhere else. And I said that to say this. America says, if the minorities aren't happy, we'll just change the laws and make them happy. That's less than 3% of our population in America. It's a different world. I'm not talking about skin color when I talk about minorities. I'm not talking about red and yellow, black and white. I'm talking about... I'm talking about the crowd that has adopted same-sex marriage, the crowd now that is, that is all about this pedophilia and about all of this mess that has taken our country by storm. I'm talking about a crowd that is, that is uh, uh, protesting to get the rights to go against everything we believe. And it's happened right before our eyes. What should we do? Give them the gospel. 
Guess what they're going to do? They're going to hate you. They're going to say that you're full of hate and have no love. They're going to hate you. You know why? Because they hated him. Not because you've done anything wrong, but because they hate him. They hate his word. They hate his gospel. They want nothing to do with it. But it's our responsibility to give them the truth. Our responsibility to give them the truth. Let's stand together tonight. I've done my best to deliver what's been in my heart since about Tuesday. Song come to my head that I heard years ago, and the song just says, Sing me a good old gospel song. Why don't people want preaching anymore? You ever wonder that? Why has church services became so much about, about singing? It's the world we live in. It's a perverted gospel. I'm all right with what went on in here this morning. I got no issues with it. But I'm talking about all of this stuff that is replacing the preaching of the word. If we get to where we want, hap- we want what happened in here this morning more than we want preaching, we fell off the wagon somewhere. We fell off the wagon. I love singing. I'd rather sing as to eat when I'm hungry sometimes. But the reality is it's the preaching of the Word of God that's going to change the hearts and the lives of people. That's what's going to change it. The gospel. Amen. I knew a, knew a fellow in Tennessee that he'd walk in the yard and a little boy playing didn't have on nothing but a pair of shorts, didn't have a shirt on, it's 95 degrees and before he ever introduced himself to the family, he'd say, Lord God, son, you need to go get some clothes on. That's not the gospel. And that's not going to be setting right with that boy or his parents. Amen. They need the gospel. They don't need our opinion. You walk up on the porch of somebody tell them about Jesus and he's drinking a beer. Don't be, don't be disturbed by that. He's lost. That's what he does. That's what he does. Give him the gospel. Go witness to somebody that's tied up in Islam. First thing you do is rip what they believe to pieces. They ain't going to hear anything you say. Give them the gospel. Give them good news. It's what they need. It's what the world needs. They need truth of the gospel, not a perverted one. While we sing, if you need this altar, you come.